Good morning, people of God. This is Apostle Shirley Evans. Another day, September the 22nd. The time is 9.32 a.m. Let us continue to look up unto Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, who the Holy Spirit is teaching us in the book of Matthew. We bless the Lord at all times. Let us continue with our praise. Let it be in our mouth. Not, in our, not only in our mouth, but in our hearts. I pray that when this word reaches you, that all will be well and the peace of God at passed. All understanding will be guarding your heart and mind. And we've rung the bell this morning. This morning um, we've got prophetic songs from the Holy Spirit. And most of the times I sing these songs very slowly because the words of the songs are very important. He's also teaching us through the songs. And our scripture this morning is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 to 17. And this is about Jesus teaches the people. He teaches the people. Verses 12 to 17. He teaches the people, or maybe I'll go a little further, we'll see. Because verses uh, 18 to 22, that's when Jesus calls his four fishermen. In the meantime, he's now teaches, teaching the people. I've heard this before. When the student is ready, the teacher will come. How could the student be ready? Well, number one, the student would have to be ready because he would have gotten rid of the fear, wondering whether he can really teach. So he must have overcome the tempter of fear. So truly, as we are studying this, we realize that Jesus overcame the tempter of fear because he was putting fear into him. So now he's ready to teach the people. And so the breath of God, God breathed his breath on him, saying, my son, you're now ready. You're now ready to go and teach the people. And also Jesus needed his father to walk with him, to teach him to speak with him. And Jesus had to listen to what his father said. So our song this morning, one of them is breathe on me, breath of God. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew. That I may love what thou dost love and do what thou wouldst do. Breathe on me, breath of God, until my heart is pure, until with thee I will. One will 
to do and to endure. Breathe on me, breath of God, till I am holy thine, until this earthly part of me close with thy fire divine. Breathe on me, breath of God, so shall I never die, but live with thee the perfect life of thine eternity. And as I said, uh, he had to listen to what his father was saying to him because his father would speak to him and he would speak to us or he would speak to the people. Master, speak thy servant hear it, waiting for thy gracious word, longing for thy voice that cheer it, Master, let it now be heard. I am listening, Lord, for thee. What hast thou to say to me? Speak to me by name, O Master, let me know it is to me. Speak that I may follow faster with a step more firm and free. Where the shepherd leads the flock in the shadow of the rock. Master, speak the least and lowest. Let me not unheard depart. Master, speak for all thou knowest, all the yearning of my heart. Knowest all its truest need, speak and make me blessed indeed master speak and make me ready when thy voice is truly heard with obedience glad and steady still to follow every word. I am 
listening, Lord, for thee. Master, speak, oh, speak to me. Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, Lamb of God, who take away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, who take away the sin of the world. Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Lamb of God, who take away the sin of the world. Grant us thy peace. And we must have one pure and holy passion. We must have one magnificent obsession. We need one glorious ambition for our lives to know and follow hard after God. Give me one pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. Give me one glorious ambition for my life to know and follow hard after you. Give me one pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. Give me one glorious ambition for my life to know and follow hard after you. To know and follow hard after you. To grow as your disciple in your word. The world is empty, pale and cold. Compared to knowing you, my Lord, lead me on and I will run after you. To know and follow hard after you. To grow as your disciple in your truth. The world is empty, pale and cold. Compared to knowing you, my Lord, lead me on and I will run after you. Give me one pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. Give me one glorious ambition for my life to know and follow hard after you. Give me one pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. 
Give me one glorious ambition for my life to know and follow hard after you. To know and follow hard after you. To grow as your disciple in your truth. The world is empty, pale and cold compared to knowing you, my Lord. Lead me, Lord, and I will run after you. Lead me, Lord, and I will run after you. To know and follow hard after you. To grow as your disciple in your truth. The world is empty, pale and cold compared to knowing you, my Lord. Lead me, Lord, and I will run after you. Lead me, Lord, and I will run after you. Give me one pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. Give me one glorious ambition for my life. To know and follow hard after you. To know and follow hard after you. To grow as your disciple in your truth. The world is empty, pale and cold compared to knowing you, my Lord. Lead me, Lord, and I will run after you. Lead me, Lord, and I will run after you. We want to run after him. Because the world is empty, it's pale, and it's cold compared to knowing you, my Lord. So lead me, Lord. And I will run after you. Blessed be the name of the Lord this morning. And so we are studying Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus teaches the people from verse 12 to verse 17. And I'll read that. Father, I can do nothing without you. So God, anoint me this morning with this word. Breathe on me, breath of God. Speak to me as I speak to your people this morning. Then was Jesus led up. No, that's not it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Do you know that when you read and study the word, you will be tested of the word? I'm telling you, but you will overcome because the Holy Spirit will be right there. Do you know when you teach the word, the truth, you will be persecuted for righteousness sake, but the Holy Spirit will be right there to comfort you. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard, where am I going there? Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast in prison, he departed into Galilee. Could you imagine? Here's a man, John, preached the truth about repentance, but now he's hated. So they like, we're going to shut your mouth up. That's the end of you. We're going to put you in prison. So here's, here is his cousin, Jesus, because they were cousins, comes on the scene. It's now time to teach. Jesus moved from Nazareth, his hometown, to Capernaum, about 20 miles farther north. Why did he move from Nazareth? his hometown well in the word of god it talks about a prophet is not without honor in his own hometown and he could not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief so god now moves them jesus moved from nazareth his hometown to capernaum about 20 miles farther north capernaum became jesus's home base during his ministry in Galilee. Jesus' home base during his ministry in Galilee, as I said. Jesus probably moved to get away from intense opposition in Nazareth, familiar spirit. They were going to impose him. To have an impact on the greatest number of people, because Capernaum was a busy city, and Jesus' message could reach more people and spread more quickly and to utilize extra resources and support for his ministry. When you go teaching to the island, the island, the settlement that might be very small, and you have about six or eight people coming to listen to the word of God. When you come to the big city, you have hundreds of people. And even when you come to the big city, when people on the outskirts and other parts of the world hear about you, they will come to hear the word of God. Now some come to listen and some come, they just want to see. Some come to get impartation of the truth, to learn. Jesus' move fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. And we'll go there. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. It says, verse 1 and 2 says, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. 
I'll read verse verse two. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them are the light shined. So this prophetic word that as I spoke, it states that the Messiah will be a light to the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the region of Galilee where Capernaum was located. Zebulun and Naphtali were two of the original 12 tribes of Israel. Matthew 4 verse 14 says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying the land of Zebulun as I just quoted and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond Jordan Galilee of the Gentiles the people which sat in darkness sat, saw great light and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death light is sprung up by quoting from the book of Isaiah Matthew continues to tie Jesus' ministry to the Old Testament this was helpful for his Jewish readers who were familiar with these scriptures. In addition, it shows the unity of God's purposes as he works with his people throughout all ages. Verse 17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven has the same meaning as the kingdom of God. In Mark and Luke, Matthew uses this phrase because the Jews, out of their intense reverence and respect, did not pronounce God's name. The kingdom of heaven is still near because it has arrived where? It has arrived in our hearts. We spoke about it before in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2 we'll go there it says the kingdom of heaven began when god himself entered human history as a man today jesus christ reigns in the hearts of believers but the kingdom of heaven will not be fully realized until all evil in the world is judged and removed christ came to earth first as a suffering servant he will come again as king and judge to rule victoriously over all the earth Jesus started his ministry with the very word people had heard from John the Baptist saying repent the message is the same today as when Jesus and John gave it becoming a follower of Christ means turning away from our self-centeredness and self-control and turning our lives over to Christ's direction and control. I pray that when we go to people and we say, you need to repent, they're wondering repent from one. Please explain to them why they need to repent and where they need to turn to. We are also going further. We're going to speak about how Jesus calls for fishermen. Jesus called for fishermen. As he's teaching, he's calling the fishermen. 
That's Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 22, which says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Someone said to me yesterday, was talking about how it's so hard and and they don't know if government can have any more money to give to the people. And I said to them, I said, listen, when we grew up, we did not go begging no one for nothing. I remember that we went into the fields, we planted, we reaped. We went early in the morning before we went to school. And whatever we were lacking, there was coconuts, there were almond, there were food. And when we wanted meat, we went by the seaside, sat on a rock or on the dock, put our lines out, catch our fish, and we had food. We trusted, even though we didn't know nothing about faith, but we never went one day hungry. God was supplying for us when we did not even know it was God who was doing it to us. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, the fishermen. The Sea of Galilee is really a large lake. About 30 fishing towns surrounded in it during Jesus' day. And Capernaum was the largest, like Nassau, New Providence. Well, it's not large as Andres. Andres is bigger, but yet all the people are here in Nassau. Jesus told Peter and Andrew to leave their fishing business and become fishers of men. Oh my goodness. Could you imagine Jesus walking by the dark porter's key and saying, yeah, yeah, I need you all to leave and follow me. And they were like, what do you have to offer us? This is our bread and butter. This is where we make our money to take care of our family. But here come Jesus told Peter and Andrew to leave their fishing business and become fishers of men to help others find God. Jesus was calling them away from their productive trades to be productive spiritually. We all need to fish for souls. If we practice Christ's teachings and share the gospel with others, we will be able to draw those around us to Christ like a fisherman who pulls fish into his boat with nets. Verse 19, it says, And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Imagine, these men already knew Jesus. He had talked to Peter and Andrew previously. John chapter 1, verse 35. John chapter 1, verse 35 to 42 says, Again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus 
as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He said unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first finded his own brother Simon and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted to Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. And so Jesus already knew them and had been preaching in the area. When Jesus called them, they knew what kind of man he was and were willing to follow him. They were not in a hypnotic trance. They wasn't in a trance when they followed, but had been thoroughly convinced that following him would change their lives forever. Verse, verse, verse 20, verse 21, it says, Verse 20, we are going even forward. We are going where he ministers to a whole crowd. Verse 21 says, And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. James and his brother, John, along with Peter and Andrew, were the first disciples that Jesus called to work with them. Jesus' call motivated these men to get up and leave their jobs immediately. They didn't make excuses about why it wasn't a good time. They left at once and followed Jesus. Will you do that? They left at once and followed. Jesus calls each of us to follow him. When Jesus asks us to serve him, we must be like the disciples and do it at once. I said I'm going a little further. Jesus ministers to a great multitude. Verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. Here is the people being drawn. Jesus was teaching 
preaching and healing. These were the three main aspects of his ministry. You notice that he wasn't teaching prosperity gospel. It's not in his mandate. Jesus was teaching, preaching, and healing. These were the three main aspects of his ministry. Teaching shows Jesus' concern for understanding. Preaching shows his concern for commitment. And healing shows his concern for wholeness. His miracles of healing authenticated his teaching and preaching. I'll repeat that again. His miracles of healing authenticated his teaching and preaching, proving that he truly was from God. Let me tell you, he's touched by our infirmities. Yesterday afternoon, I was so painful on one side of my body from my hip area on my loin I, I'm trying to figure why am I so painful and I'm walking but I could almost drag I cried at Lord Lord what is wrong with me and he said you forget you take on people infirmities I said so who's this I'm taking on because some people could be to the other part of the world and he said to me you are taking on your friend sister Maxie that is where she had a hip operation a week ago. I picked up the phone and I prayed for Sister Maxie. About 45 minutes later, I didn't have any pain. I was fine. Verse 23. Jesus soon developed a powerful preaching ministry and often spoke of the synagogues. Most towns that had 10 or more Jewish families had a synagogue. The building served as a religious gathering place on the Sabbath and as a school during the, the week. The leader of the synagogue was not a preacher as much as an administrator. His job was to find and invite rabbis to teach and preach. It was customary to invite visiting rabbis like Jesus to speak. What happens to us in the Bahamas and elsewhere in the world, we'll invite preachers or teachers from other parts of the world. And when the people in the country hear that this one is coming, I mean, they get themselves ready um, to go and hear this evangelist or preacher or healing ministry, healing minister. Jesus preached the gospel the good news to everyone who wanted to hear it. He did have an ear, wanted to hear, so that they would have heard. The gospel is that the kingdom of heaven has come, that God is with us, and that he cares for us. God and man made manifest. So God and man made manifest. Now he's teaching and drawing the crowds. He cares for us. Christ can heal us, not just of physical sickness, but of spiritual sickness as well. 
There's no sin or problem too great or too small for him to handle. Jesus' words were good news because they offered freedom, hope, peace of heart, and eternal life with God. Decapolis was a league of ten Gentile cities east of the Sea of Galilee, joined together for better trade and mutual defense. The word about Jesus was out. Word about him was out now. And Jews and Gentiles were coming long distances to hear from him. Isn't that amazing? When Jesus say yes, nobody can say no. So, here it is. God has now raised up Jesus. He has escaped the tempter. There is no fear now. He has taken on the spirit of boldness. He's now walking in that anointing of a teacher. Crowds are being drawn to him. But here is where he was born. They couldn't accept him. They couldn't receive him. Too familiar. Isn't that telling us something today? That those who he would call from a familiar place where everybody knows them, they would look down and say, uh uh, no, no, no. No, I'm I'm not but they would rather go to someone from out of town. Because when you're familiar with the people, the people cannot accept you. But when you go out and they hear and they prove, now they want to come to run after you. And so here has come multitude, a great multitude now is listening to Jesus because he has overcome his fear. He's walking in the teaching anointing. Not only that, he's not only walking in his teaching anointing. He is walking in the healing anointing. And he is healing all manner of sickness and diseases. And so now his fame goes out throughout Syria. And now they bring people to him. Because they have diseases, they tormented with demons. So now not only that, Jesus is now have a anointing of deliverance. Isn't that amazing? When he raised you up, but you wait. You wait until he raises you up. You wait until he sends you out. And so we'll stop here. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your word. Now we have this encounter with your son, who's now teaching healing who's now called help the fishermen to come alongside with him because no man is an island so when God calls you and it's time to go out he will always place those alongside of you who are willing 
and God is still calling. But are you willing to walk away? Once you know that you know that you know it's the voice of God that you're hearing. Don't just walk away because you think. There has to be a knowing inside of you. There has to be a peace of God that passes on all understanding that you know that you know God is calling you to leave your familiar. To follow him. And until then, you wait on God. Because when you do answer, he will provide all the resources for you. Be not dismayed, whatever be tight, God will take care of you. Your every need, he will supply. God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you so let us run after him to know and follow hard after you to grow as your disciple in your truth the world is empty pale and cold compared to knowing you my lord Lead me on and I will run after you to know and follow hard after you to grow as your disciple in your truth. The world is empty, pale and cold compared to knowing you, my Lord. Lead me, Lord, and I will run after you. Give me a pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. Give me one glorious ambition for my life to know and follow hard after you. So let that be your prayer for a pure and holy passion for one magnificent obsession, for one glorious ambition for your life, to know and follow hard after God. Father, we thank you today for your word, for your word is truth. Give us an insatiable thirst for your word. Help us, give us grace and mercy. May it overshadow us today. May the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and mind through this day in the name of Jesus. This is Apostle Shirley Evans saying, I love you always. Have a blessed day in the Lord.